Hi, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. Welcome to another special episode of Not the Beginning, where I read a romance novel while Dallas takes a little break in between books of The Wheel of Time. On this episode, we are discussing Always Only You, the second book in Chloe Lee's adult romance series, The Bergman Brothers. So if you have not read Always Only You, please proceed with caution. Warning, this podcast is not going to be suitable for younger audiences. No. Not even a little bit. Frank, he grabs my wrist, which sends the root beer flying from my hand and landing with an ice-cold splatter all over my shirt. I hiss at the shock of it. Jesus, Maddox. Suddenly, a large hand grabs the back of Matt's shirt and wrenches him off the barstool so violently he tumbles to the floor. Ren bends, sweeping up my blazer, which fell too, and immediately throws it over my shoulders. When he straightens, my mouth falls open. Ren Bergman is really not smiling. Today's summary will be taken from the back of the book. Ren. The moment I met her, I knew Frankie Zaffarino was someone worth waiting for. Deadpan delivery, secret heart of gold, and a rare one-dimpled smile that makes my knees weak, Frankie has been forbidden since the day she and I became co-workers, meaning waiting has been the name of my game, besides hockey, that is. I'm a player on the team, she's on staff, and as long as we work together, dating is off-limits. Patience has always been my virtue. Frankie won't be here forever. She's headed for bigger, better things. I just hope that when she leaves the team and I tell her how I feel, she won't want to leave me behind, too. Frankie. I've had a problem at work since the day Ren Bergman joined the team. A six-foot-three hunk of happy with a sunshine smile. I'm a grumbly grump, and his ridiculously good nature drives me nuts. But even I can't ignore that hot tamale of a ginger with icy eyes, the perfect playoff beard, and a body built for sin that he's annoyingly modest about. Before I got wise, I would have tripped over myself to get a guy like Ren. But with my diagnosis, I've learned what I am to most people in my life. A problem, not a person. Now, opening my heart to anyone, no matter how sweet, is the last thing I'm prepared to do. Always Only You is an opposite to tract forbidden love sports romance about a nerdy, late-blooming hockey star and his tough cookie co-worker who keeps both her soft side and her autism diagnosis to herself. Complete with a meddling secretary, tantric yoga torture, and a scorching slow burn, this standalone is the second in a series of novels about a Swedish-American family of five brothers, two sisters, and their wild adventures as they each find happily ever after. Okay, I've read four romance books. You have. I have. I, I can now say that it's a pattern. I guess I could have said that with the last one. Yeah. This is just a continuation of a pattern. Yeah. Anyway, this one did not get nearly as strong a reaction out of me as the last one did. Well, you liked the characters more. I did like the characters more, and I think that's why it got less of a reaction, because I'm not sitting there the whole time I'm reading it thinking, why are these people, like, they must be real hot in order to get anybody interested in them, because they're kind of assholes. I mean, asshole attracts asshole. I guess. But yeah. Anyway, neither Ren nor Frankie are particularly assholes in this book. Frankie's a giant old grump, but she's not an is. asshole. No, she's not mean about it. No, she's just very straightforward. Yeah. And even then, like, she, the book goes to a lot of detail to say that, you know, she's, well, she's autistic. Yeah. It doesn't go through a lot of detail to say that. It just plainly states it. Yep. But, you know, there are several times where there was, try, she was trying to have some example of her going too far with a quip or something. I just never felt like her quips were that sharp or that undeservedly sharp. That is fair. I think what you're talking about is a very autistic mindset, though, or neurodivergent or anyone who has a hard time understanding any sort of social cue. You tend to beat yourself up more so if yeah. the quip is too sharp. Because I know I do that, too. That's why I really, one of the reasons I really identified with this book is I really identified with Frankie, that inner monologue of, Constantly like, was this too far? Did I read this wrong? And then constantly thinking about like a situation you read wrong six years ago. It never yeah. leaves your head. I, and, you know, that I can definitely, I definitely like, I understood that. I do some of those same things myself. But I think it's more a, I don't know how sharp they were intended to be. If they were intended to not be very sharp or if they were intended to be very, you know, a little too far. Because Every time it happened and characters were like, Jesus, Frankie, was, I was just like, this that wasn't that bad. You come from a very savage family. I really do. <laughs> I think it's just My you. My scale is messed your up. Your scale is messed up. Because, yeah. you know, your dad comes downstairs on Christmas morning and tells you you look like a plastic man. Whose face has melted down and, and shifted. shifted. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, my dad's an absolute savage. That's true. 
And he he came by it on us because my grandfather was a savage too. Right. So I think your tolerance <laughs> level is a little bit higher than most people's. That's fair. That is definitely very fair. Anyway, like I said, like I, I liked both Ren and Frankie, and I've read enough. We were talking about this a little bit in our like pre-recording discussion, and you know, I think some of what's happening with me in this book is I've read four. I've now grown accustomed to it a little bit. Yeah. And I can pick out things. And so as a result, and I'm not saying I didn't like Ren, I felt like Ren was a little underdeveloped, undergrown as a character for the amount of time that we spent with him. And that's fair. Ren doesn't really have much of a character growth arc in this book. He kind of starts in the same place and he ends... In mostly the same place, except now he actually has Frankie. Yeah. And that's kind of, he doesn't have an internal conflict. He just has the external conflict, which is I'm pining over this one. And now that has resolved by the end of the book. Whereas Frankie has the external, I am attracted to Ren and his dusky flat nipples. And (laughs) (laughs) which is a phrase from the book. This book is very focused on nipples in general. Yeah, that's fair. Um, maybe it's her hyperfixation. Uh, there are worse things to be hyperfixated on. Yeah, I guess. But like that's There's her... definitely better things. <laughs> her external conflict is like this attraction to Ren that she has, yeah. and that she can't do anything about because they work together. And but her internal conflict is this whole thing about all of the relationships she's had in the past, and not just romantic ones, but friendships and family. Yeah. She's been a burden to everyone between... Frankie's got a lot going on. She does. And I I like that. I like that Frankie is a whole-ass character. That's something that uh, the first book did very well, I think. And that's kind of where, if I'm holding up the four characters, right? If if I'm looking at Willa and Ryder and Ren and Frankie, Ren is clearly the least developed out of all of them. He has one thing going on in terms of a character arc, and that's getting Frankie. That's about it. Yeah. I think I think in terms for me, Ren is a little bit more developed. And I think that in comparison to Ryder, at least. And I think that's just because Ryder's whole thing is him being a little bit grumpy. And well, Ryder Ren... has a lot more going on, though, because Ryder also has a lot. La- Ryder has him being grumpy, which I, I would not call that a character arc. Um He's got the whole arc with Willa, which is a you he know does. a given for a romance novel. But then he has the two or three other things. He's got you know learning to accept that he is deaf, and that's that. I'm, I'm putting that as one thing. And then the other category he has is learning to you know kind of give up and grieve who he lost. And he I has think... a whole loss of identity thing going on that. Ren just doesn't have. In terms of character growth development, he's more developed. I think just personality and he's he's his whole, uh, like, character-wise, I think Ren is just a little bit more developed because he's got hobbies and friends and he's stable and he's just got a lot. I'm, I'm going to disagree because I think Ryder not having those things was the point. That's a fair point. Like, he he lost all of those things. He lost his old self when he went deaf. And now part of his story in in the book is who is he now that he, you know, he's deaf. He can't play soccer. He's got to find a new way to communicate as a, on like a base level. He has more going on in, in the book and less screen time, for lack of a better word. I feel like the first book, which I am trying to remember the name of and I absolutely cannot. Only when it's us. Only when it's us. There we go. The first book is more 70-30 Willa Ryder. Yeah, we get a lot more of Willa's head. Yeah, and this book is more 60-40 Frankie Wren. Yeah. And just Wren has the one thing going on. I feel like he needed something else. I definitely agree with that. I It wasn't something that I necessarily noticed on my first read of this book. But as I was reading this second time around, I realized that he doesn't really have that internal conflict that's not related to Frankie. Yeah. Like, Frankie has an internal conflict that she needed to get resolved outside of her having a relationship with Ren. Yeah. 
Like, she needed to deal with that no matter and, what. Like, she could have not ended up with Ren and still needed to get that handled. Right. Because she needed to move... She needed to find a way to have this... Not just a relationship with Ren, but her friends and other people. And something that, like, as you read through the rest of the books, you can see her also just opening up to the rest of the Bergman family. So she continues to... You yeah. continue to see that. You also continue to see Ryder do a little bit of character growth, even yeah. in the background of all the other ones. Something I do have to say about Ren is that he's he's developed at the beginning of Only When It's Us. He is a he is a full-ass character at the beginning, and I think... He just kind of stays that way. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of growth to do in this book because he's already done a lot of his growing as a person. Yeah. And, you know, it was a bunch of words. You know, I just said a bunch of words to make it seem like I didn't like Ren. But I do. Like, the things that we learn about him, and, I, you know, I don't think any of... None of the stuff that we learn about him is, like, ground-shaking information about Soren Bergman. Like, it's all kind of like, yeah, he's a character in a romance novel stuff. I just... I, I did forget how much I, like I, him. I love Ren. I think because he is kind of just already this whole character, and you're just learning bits of information about him. Yeah, the the nice thing about Ren, and I, I will say one of the things that I liked about this book, given that it's a romance novel, is I never felt like I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. And the, the first book definitely had this kind of underlying current of, oh, the mom's going to die. Yeah. Like, the mom's definitely going to die. In this one, the worst thing that is presented to you as an option is Ren's going to learn about Frankie being autistic. And that's not really a shoe drop kind of thing, especially, or at least it wasn't to me because I have read all five books that are out. Like, one, I already knew how he intera- how he reacted. Yeah. But even if I forgot how he reacted and I just knew, he's got autistic family members. That, and he's presented as a very emotionally intelligent, sensitive person. So, of course, he's going to be cool. I think that's also why, though. He's just very emotionally intelligent. Uh, yeah, Ren never... Ren doesn't have rough edges. No, he's... He sounds really boring. But I like that he's... I I like that he is just him. And he's not him in the same way that Ryder is himself. Ryder's got, like, edges that you can get caught on. Ren, Ren is, is like comfortable. A Ren is, like, loyal. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> He's just, and to go, continue, like, he he never swears. He swears with actual swear words, words maybe once in this book, and that's yeah, very in relation. It's very infrequently. It's in relation to the quote from this episode when one of his hockey teammates has just been continually hitting on Frankie, and she's like, I have never given you yeah. the... the any information that would make you think that I'm going to go after you. Not all women want to sleep with you. And he's kind right. of just like, wait, what? But he's belligerently drunk and Ren, like, kind of steps in. Yeah. And it's one of his, like, four moments in the book where he's not constantly smiling. Right. Uh, he has a minivan. He loves his minivan. He loves his minivan. <laughs> just imagine this, like, six foot three, 26-year-old hockey player who has a minivan because he constantly is driving his teammates home from things or he's got all his gear. He refuses to let other people carry his gear. He carries all his own gear. This is like a playoff team. Like, they were in the playoffs last year. It's not like it's some, like, B-level team. This is like a major hockey team. He's a giant nerd. He has a Shakespeare club. He swears with Elizabethan swears. Yep. I love him. (laughs) He's got... And I think you've... Named several things that, to me, aren't necessarily... I'm going back on it. I I hate that it sounds like I don't like Ren, because I do. He has a lot of facts. Very little of it is development. That is fair. I think we're coming at it from two very different angles, in which you read a lot of fantasy, which has a lot more of the type of development that you're talking about. Whereas for me... I read a lot of romance. Sometimes, literally, the only fact we get about a character, and I'm going to just compare it to a hockey romance that I've been reading, the only thing about the male character that you know is that he plays hockey and that he sleeps with a bunch of women. Hmm. That's all. All of them are the same. They just have different names and accents. And that's that's like a... They've got no personality besides. I play hockey and drink and sleep with a bunch of puck bunnies. Fair. Which I hate that term. Yeah. It's only said once in here. Yeah, I did pick up on that. For a hockey romance, there is, like, no hockey. No. 
Well, Which there wasn't I find... a ton of soccer in the last one. There was more, though. Like, because there were soccer games, and I think there were descriptions of a soccer game. There were two descriptions of hockey games in this. Yeah, it's just, I, I mean, I read hockey romances, and there's usually, like, full-on descriptions of the game going on. Okay. And so I just was, like, reading this. I'm like, oh, there's a surprising lack of hockey. I don't mind it. I, yeah. it's, It works for this book. It's just... Usually when I read a sports romance, you'd expect there to be at least one full description of a thing that you don't understand because I don't understand sports. Yeah, it's very, very fair. It's partially why I don't read football romances because, like, I don't understand. I've had football explained to me 18 million times and I, I do not understand, understand that football sport. either. Hockey I understand. There are sticks. There, you hit it's basically ice soccer in terms of, like, there are two goals. You're just going for them. Yeah. There are players that do things. There's a defense. There's an offense. Like... They're not the same, and I'm sure some sports person is going to come after me for calling hockey ice soccer, but <laughs> the point of both games is the same, and they're constantly moving. Yes. That is, that's the point. Okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I've never read an actual hockey romance, I guess. I mean, this is a hockey romance. Sure. They're both involved in hockey. They are both involved in hockey. Frankie is the social media coordinator. Yes. And actually, one of the... We get a lot of descriptions of her job. We do. Sort of. We get a lot of the same description because I guess it's social media coordination. It's social media. It's taking pictures and making memes. like stuff. Yeah. Like... One of the things that I did really like about this book, there are a couple things that I really liked about it. I really liked that they started off knowing each other. Yeah. It was. It made it feel a lot more natural for them to get involved, whereas it, the first book didn't have this problem so much because they. I think it was a solid enough premise that you know asshole teacher throws them together. Yeah. But that that was a little weaker, and by a little, I mean it was a lot weaker than this. This one, it felt a lot more natural for them to like get to know each other. Like they already knew each other and were somewhat familiar with each other, and it was deepening that familiarity. All of the next books are like that as well. The well, third book is Aiden and Freya, so it's a marriage in trouble. They're already married. <laughs> They're already married. Obviously, they know each other. The fourth book is Axel and Rooney, so they are yeah. familiar with each other. And then the fifth book is Oliver and Gavin, and they are on a soccer team together. So uh, More forbidden romance. Not really forbidden. I feel like you should it's, not date your teammates. You shouldn't, but... It's a bad idea. I think it's more forbidden with Ren and Frankie because they're in two different spheres. So it's more of a conflict of interest. I, I can see that. For me personally, I would consider teammates way worse than teammates and support... than a player and support staff. I think in terms of support staff and a player, there can be seen as a power imbalance between... And it would be Frankie has the power more than Ren. Like sort of, it like if she were if she were the trainer for the team, that's a huge power imbalance. Like yeah, but she's not. She's, she's not. But she's like the social she's, media coordinator. She's still a support staff. I don't know. Yeah. I see that as I see them as more forbidden than Oliver and Gavin, which you haven't read that book yet. I have It's three books from now. It is. Um, so. Theirs and, is more forbidden because it's enemies to lovers, so they kind of uh, hate each other. Any well that yeah okay sure. Um, anyway, I like that Ren and Frankie know each other at the beginning. And it, it feels very organic the way that they get to know each other. Like, we talked just moments ago about the quote where one of uh, Ren's teammates is, like, grabbing Frankie and spills beer on her. And then later... Root beer. Root beer. And later, Ren brings Frankie a shirt. And it's like a magnetic button shirt because she has rheumatoid arthritis and has trouble with buttons. And it shows that Ren is thoughtful, and it's good, and it feels organic, and she's really high and wants to jump his bones right there. It's a romance <laughs> novel. Also, like, if some six-foot-three smoking hot hockey dude If a scars to... guard walked in the door with a shirt. <laughs> and that had magnetic buttons, and I had a hard time with buttons. I can't get high. I'm allergic to marijuana. I'd want to jump his bones, too. I mean, do you need the second and third parts of that? It's just, it's a scars guard. I mean, yeah, if Ren's walking out of the room, I'm just going to... Yeah. I'm going to want to jump his bones anyway, but... Yeah. He also plays hockey. He has a hockey ass. He has a heart of gold and buns of steel. That line is is said, (laughs) along with many, many descriptions of nipples. Yes. Too many descriptions of nipples. What is this book 
and its obsession with nipples. It mentions nipples like five times in the first four pages. I think in terms of Frankie, the whole point is that when she runs into Ren and he is shirtless, which he's never shirtless in the locker room because he, as we discover later, he always gets changed in the showers because he doesn't want Ren to see him naked because he's got like hope, wishful thinking that he wants the first time that she sees him naked to be when they're about to have sex, which is totally sweet. <laughs> Love yep. it. Yep. But it's a rare moment. He forgot his underwear. So he walks out of the shower and he's just like in his towel and she runs face first into his chest. And I think her eye level is right at his nipples because of the height difference. Okay. So. Okay. I don't know. I, I think she's also supposed to be tall. I This is another book where I'm not really quite sure of their height difference. I can't picture people, so... And just based on some of the descriptions, like, I really don't know what Willa and Ryder's height difference was. Yeah, I don't know about that. But... Some questionable anatomy going on. Yeah. Writing is hard, I just have to say. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Because I have a hard time with height differences, too. Or just, like, where something would... Like, where does a doorknob hit on someone or, like, a kitchen counter, like, D... I don't know. That's why I have you stand up and stand near things. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. I just go and stand around things all day. That's yeah. my full-time job. <laughs> I'm writing a scene. <laughs> I go stand by the counter. I need to see where it hits you. <laughs> yep. One of the things that I did not like about this book is the third act breakup. Yes. I, you know, this is partially because I am used to or more used to romance novels now, but I've always thought that they are unnecessary in general. Because they're very, yeah, you know, they're very, very forced things, and I honestly think that it's part of where romance gets a bad rap for. It's just like they're often written poorly, and this is not a well-written one. No, I I don't. I, I will qualify that by saying that I don't think that any character is being particularly unreasonable here. I don't think that it's it's not the worst I've ever seen. It's just, it doesn't fit with the rest of the book. It's out of place. Yeah, I do have to say, the third act breakup in this, like, I I get why it's there. I think that it could have been, there could have been other conflict. Sometimes there needs to be a third act breakup. There's, the only way these two characters are going to get their shit together is if they break up with each other and have some time alone. The first book, I actually thought that it made a lot of sense. There wasn't a first act, or third act breakup. No, but the thing that, took its place, made sense. That's what I'm saying, though. Yeah. There's... Some books don't need it. The first book, only when it's us, didn't need a third act breakup. What what served in that place of conflict was just something preventing them from getting together even longer. Yeah. Because they weren't together to begin with, and then something happens that prevents them from getting together until... Yeah. ...when that conflict needed to be resolved. Some romance novels just need a third act breakup. Like this was not one of them. This was not one of them, and some definitely don't like the first book. Yeah. And Red, White, and Royal Blue did not have a third act breakup. Not really. No, I mean they it did. sort of did. Well, that wasn't in a third act. That wasn't the, the main source of conflict. They had that was like closer to the midpoint. Yeah, like what acted as the major source of conflict in Red, White, and Royal Blue was the leak. Yes, they got outed. Yeah, that was the conflict. Yeah. So, in but, that sense. That was a better conflict than if they had broken up at the point where conflict is supposed to be introduced. But in this book, for those of you who have not read it yet or won't ever read it because you don't read romance, what happens is Frankie, who has rheumatoid arthritis, has been feeling unwell at practice. She collapses. We kind of cut to Frankie in a hospital bed. Waking Um, up two whole days later. Yep, waking up two days later. Double lung pneumonia. Yep, she's fine. Well, she'll... She will be fine. She will be fine. She's got a compromised immune system and And, double lung pneumonia. Yeah. And Ren has a reason to be worried about her. Yeah, and Ren is there, and she gets angry at Ren for leaving practice. It wasn't practice. It was was right before a game. It was right before a game. Yeah, it was right before a playoff game. So, like, high stakes. She gets angry at Ren for leaving the game and making... She doesn't want to feel like a burden. She has autism. She has rheumatoid arthritis. She's been made to feel like a burden her whole life. She doesn't want Ren to basically take any time out of his life to deal with her problems. And she throws around a whole bunch of stuff about, like, 
the only reason you're here is so that you don't feel guilty later. I don't want you to... At some point, you're going to stop feeling guilty for not being here, and you're going to start feeling guilty for being here. And then the only reason you're going to be here is because you don't want people to think, like, oh, why aren't you at... Right. Like, just this whole, like, logic spiral yeah. and I think on. I think it is... Frankie's reaction to all of this is irrational, but it's irrational in a very understandable way. Like, I, I get how she... Why she feels that way, and I don't blame her for feeling that way. She's been dealing with these things for her whole life. And so it makes sense, especially in a highly charged situation like this, for it to all come out. But it kind of runs counter to the rest of the book, where Ren has gone through great lengths to show that this is just who he is as a person. He's going to be there because he wants to be there, not because he feels an obligation to be there. Yeah, he's... Because she says, like, I don't need you here. And he's like, yes, I need to be here. Right. And so it's it's not necessarily, like, it itself isn't poorly written. And the the third act breakup is relatively true to the characters. It's just not true to the plot of the book. Where yeah. it feels like it only happens because it's expected to happen, not because the plot even calls for it. Because, again, Ren's been shown to be a very thoughtful guy. Yeah, there's this whole bit, Frankie's bungalow gets broken into when they were away for away, an away yep. game. And there, she's been having a lot of car trouble, and so her car is in the shop again, and Ren offers to drive her home. He's driven her home before when her car was in the shop another time because something is going on with her car. I think someone's sabotaging her car to try to force them together. I think that's what they, they, there's that's this, what's implied. There's this like secretary subplot that gets brought up twice. And doesn't really get developed. <laughs> no. Um, but so her car's in the shop, and so he drives her home after an away game. He's helping her to her door, carrying her luggage, because that's just who he is. He'd do that for anybody. Right. It's not, it's not because she has RA. It's because that's who he is. Right. She jokes several, or she, she comments several times about, like, no, don't do that. And he's like, no, I'm going to do it. But I, I do it for everybody. I carry my own, and I carry other people's. I'm six foot three. Yeah, and she's like, okay, fine. But she gets to the door and she realizes that it's open. open. And he just like, he's still carrying her luggage and then scoops her up in one arm and carries her back to his minivan, which is just like, okay, Red. (laughs) She's both like terrified and slightly turned on, which like fair. Yup. If one arm scooped her up and she's not like small. No. She's, like, a pretty good height. Yeah. She's tall for a woman. And so just impressive. And she's obviously upset. And he's driving her to, like, an in and out Because she's like, I need burgers and he's, or something to make me feel better. And he's like, just the internal monologue of him being like, I will buy the whole franchise if <laughs> I need to. I just need you to smile. Yep. She's like, Ren, yeah. why are you... So perfect. Yep. Man was ready to buy in and out <laughs> because this woman was sad. <laughs> they do. It is odd. And it just made me remember something that I thought while I was reading. She comments on his house several times. Like He has a very nice, he has a big house. It's very nice. And she like comments on it as though it's surprising. But also he's a professional hockey player. They don't make a little money. No, he makes a good salary. Yeah, he's he's like co-captain of the team. Yeah, they were in the playoffs last season. Yeah. Like, he's he's also pretty good money. He's just, he's also a really good hockey player. Right. Like, he was out, he ends up getting a concussion, some player on uh, another team, they're at an away game, and this guy's like going after him for some reason. He gets hit, it's a bad hit. Gets a concussion, like, torn shoulder. Yeah. And he's out for a couple games, and they just immediately start losing. Right. Because he's, you know, good at his job. Yeah. He also never starts fights, which is brought up several times. Yep. If if you don't know anything about hockey, they start a lot of fights. Yes. It is a... You went to a fight, and a hockey match broke out. Yeah. Basically, that it's true. It happens more in minor leagues than professional like, I've been to a major league hockey game, and I've been to a minor league hockey game, and way more fights broke out in the minor league than the major sure. league. 
but I mean, they've got less salary to worry about. So they, they do. Get, they like suspensions aren't as common. No. But Ren yeah. gets a concussion. He's very loopy. He's holding Frankie's hand. Yep. He's down with a fever, and so he's like, "I don't want to get you sick." And the like medic is like, "Do you remember me telling you that I think you have a sinus infection that's not <laughs> contagious?" He's like, "Oh, so I can still keep holding our hand, right?" <laughs> Yep. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. I love them. <laughs> yep. It's it's good. It's it, I like the relationship. Like I said, the only thing I didn't particularly like was I didn't particularly like the third act breakup. But the rest of it, I did. I liked how he approached his family. You know, he's got a huge ass family. And we get a lot more from them. We get we this whole brothers scene, which... I love because we finally get to meet Vigo. This is the first time you've met Vigo and Oliver, right? Mm, they were around in the first book, but they weren't. They weren't involved. really on page. Yeah. So you get to meet all of them and like all the Bergman boys, minus Aiden, who's not really a Bergman, but yeah, he is. Per- he's present. A man, he's a man in the family, but he's not part of that chat. No, it's just the brothers. And Ren calls them to be like, "All right, I need advice on how to deal with Frankie." Because all of you know, I'm really bad at women because I've never dated really. Yeah. And so they're like going through this whole chat and like Oliver and Vigo, since they live nearby, are like rifling through his kitchen and everyone else is on Skype. And it's just like this great moment. And I just, I love the man cubs so much. (laughs) Oliver and Vigo are the man cubs. Yes. I think that's partially why Oliver's book might be my favorite, just because I love him so much. <laughs> and I am so very excited for Vigo's book. I think it's going to be the last one. Are they not going to do... Did they do one with the Ziggy? No, there's two more. And so I think just if if I were writing this series, I would put the brother that has been instigating and helping all of his siblings with their romances and loves romance novels as the last book. Mm, okay. Vigo so... loves romance novels. He is like has met like this book starts his meddling because there's a scene where he just basically breaks into Ren's house and is like raiding the kitchen and Frankie's like I hear noises and so she goes to investigate and there's like towel shenanigans and Figo's oh, just God, being the fucking towel sh- they end up <laughs> pressed against each other naked yep <laughs> and Vigo's just standing there like whoa He's the a- fuck <laughs> Are you sure? what his workout situation is because he wants to have an ass that looks like that, which but, is like... But also, while he asks that, this man is fully naked, pressed up against a fully naked Frankie. And Ren is shielding the fully naked Frankie with his body, so Vigo can't see any bit of Frankie. That's but... not... There. There is very close... The, their genitals are very close and unshielded. <laughs> That's what I'm saying here. Yep. And Vigo's just like voyeuristically watching in the background. I love him. <laughs> this isn't the last you will see of Vigo just being a completely meddlesome fool. This might go beyond meddling. He's just, he's instigating and he does it in several of the other books. And it's just, he's got this like love of helping his siblings with their love lives. He loves reading romance novels. He tries to force all of his siblings to read romance novels. Ren actually has. He mentions that he's read a romance novel or two because of uh, Vigo. And so I feel like his is going to be the last one. You think it's going to go Ziggy then Vigo? Yeah. Cool. I also, uh, on my reread, I am like 70% sure that Vigo has ADHD. Okay. One, he's got two autistic siblings and neurodivergence runs in families. Sure. So it would track that he might, that someone else in that family has to have some sort of neurodiversity. Is Axel actually autistic? Yeah, he just hasn't gone and gotten a diagnosis, but self-diagnosis is equally as valid as... Did, I, I guess more of my question is, has the author said that? Yeah. Okay. And in his book, he's like, I am autistic. Okay. He just hasn't gone through the formal diagnosis because yeah. he's like, I don't want to do that. That sounds like a lot. Okay. I'm just accepting. Yeah. Like, self-diagnosis is fine. But yeah, I feel like Vigo has undiagnosed ADHD because he has this, like, hyper-focus and obsession with romance novels. He constantly is switching hobbies, which is very ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> the constant, just like, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of stuff for this one hobby, do it for three weeks, and then con- and then switch to another one. Oh, God. Which... <laughs> I'm going to leave the podcast now. 
I don't need to be attacked like that. <laughs> it's also a self-attack, if you've seen our craft closet. I don't... There's no reason for anybody who listens to this podcast to have... But, to have, but you, you've seen our... Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I Yes, I've seen our craft closet. I live here. Yes, but you, you see all of the half-finished projects. I do. <laughs> that are all mine. That's true. But yeah, so I feel like he has ADHD. Sure. That's something I noticed on this reread. Yeah, I'd buy it. Yeah. This is a Vigo Appreciation Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. There are a couple of other things. There are several. We haven't really several. done the whole plot thing. We haven't. It's a romance book. The plot's the plot's always the same. They it's a the blurb from the back of the book describes the plot. Yeah, but there there are things that happen. We've talked about the weed thing. Frankie yep. got high to deal with RA pain and yep. whatnot. Ren shows up with a shirt. There's Chinese yep. food. Mm-hmm. One Her of... house gets broken into. Yep. There is one of my favorite things, which is the rude mechanical scene. Yeah, so that that is one of the things that I wanted to bring up. Uh, Ren is a big Shakespeare fan, and he has gotten the rest of the team to, before games, act out bits of Shakespeare, which I feel like is something that I would find somewhat unbelievable if I didn't know that there are several NFL players who, I can't name them, unfortunately, because I just don't remember their names because I don't follow sports, but... They're like big Magic the Gathering fans. Yeah. No, this absolutely tracks. Especially, I mean, even if it wasn't that they ended up loving Shakespeare, they are hockey players. And hockey players are notoriously superstitious, more so than a lot of other sports. Yeah. And so what happened is about like two years ago when Ren started on the team, he wanted to make friends with the guys on his team. And so he, being who he is, invites all of his teammates over to eat Swedish food and act out Shakespeare. And they're all very hesitant because they're like, we're hockey players. What are we doing? Yeah. Why is this for Shakespeare? What is happening? But it was their f- it was the night before their first away game. And they all ended up really enjoying reading this scene together. And they all had a bunch of fun. But then they went and played their first away game and won. So now it is part of the tradition. It has to yep. happen every year. <laughs> because they're superstitious hockey players. Yep. And it has to be the rude mechanical scene. They can't do... It has to be... This thing. <laughs> and so they've been reading this scene every year before the first game. There's, like, game. competition for parts. I like it. I like the scene. It's fun. Yeah. And, like, there's some drama. Someone brings down the wall. So two of the players actually end up kissing each other instead of the sheet that they're supposed to be. So a brawl breaks out because they're hockey players and their first instinct is to drop their gloves. Yep. There are no gloves because they're not on the ice. But, you know, yeah, it's it's a great scene. I love it so much. And I don't even need it to be believable, but it is believable because, yes, there are several. No, I'd buy it. Several NFL players. I don't know that I'd spend a lot of money on it, but I'd buy it. (laughs) But wordplay. Wordplay. I do it frequently. You do. The other thing that I wanted to bring up is this book's position as being in a series. I think it's greatly helped by being in a series. I thought. You might enjoy reading through a romance series. I definitely, it was cool that stuff from the previous book didn't just get dropped. Yeah, because Willa and Ryder are in this book a little bit. I will say that it it did the first time that they show up, which is very soon. It's like 10 or 15 pages in when they show up. Yeah. They're like out They were at a game yeah. and they went to the bar afterwards with the team. I They were not introduced very organically. <laughs> No, they're, they're just, just like, there. this is here because they exist in this series. But the rest of the, the involvement for the Bergman family felt natural. That is what I really enjoy about this series. And I haven't read a lot of romance series that focuses on family. I've only read a couple words, usually like sisters or something. And th- yeah. there's not a whole lot of family going on in those. Yeah. What I really like about the Bergman Brothers series is that the whole family usually makes an appearance at least once in the book. Yeah. I think the only one that didn't, Freya did, no, Freya didn't. She's not in this book. Yeah, she is. She is? Yeah, she's in the kitchen. Oh. At the party, at, Z- oh, at Ziggy's yeah, yeah. birthday. Yeah. And th- I mean, this is also the first time we meet Ziggy. She yeah. wasn't really in the first book. No. Which makes sense, given what we learn about Ziggy. She is on the spectrum and was recently diagnosed and having a really hard time. Yeah, she was diagnosed as... In the middle of a crisis, basically. Yeah. She was in some she sort of crisis situation. Had like a mental breakdown. And then kind of as a result of that, got diagnosed. Yeah. 
And so she's really struggling to now cope with what it means to be on the spectrum. And it's something that Frankie helps her with, which I really enjoyed that scene. Yeah. Uh, Frankie realizes that Ren's parents have never been to one of his games because they're always home with Ziggy. Right. And she's like, well, that is a travesty. Your parents need to go to a game. And I wanted to talk to Ziggy anyway as a fellow woman on the spectrum. We need to stick together. Right. And so I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. She's very efficient, Frankie. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So she goes over. I did also like that scene. And I liked it because it felt it wasn't heavy handed. Like, it's really easy. And I think partially because this book, the author of the book says she's autistic. Yes. And, you know, that clear that very clearly comes through because the, the portrayal of Frankie is very it, it's not it's not heavy handed. No, it's, it, it's like this is just this is life. Yeah. Which I liked. And that conversation was a good not a focal point for it because it's a tiny part in a book about an autistic character. But it's a good example of it where it's not being blown out of proportion. It's not, you know, it's not the definition of life for either of these characters. It's just it's a part of who they are. Yeah. With Ziggy, it's a much larger part of who she is right now. But that's one of the things Frankie kind of talks to her about, which is eventually you're going to get a handle on this. You just need to find out what coping mechanisms you need. She's like, I'm a fidgeter. That's right. why I have this necklace that I play with. Right. Which, yeah, like I have a necklace that I play with all the time because I'm an ADHD fidgeter. i got to yeah. have like a necklace to play with. And she's like, I order all of my clothes from this special place. They all have French seams so that I don't have itchy tags. And so she, like, helps Ziggy order clothes that fit her because Ziggy's also super-ass tall. Right. The entire family's tall. She's, like, a six-foot-tall woman. She's wearing her brother's clothes because all women's clothes are uncomfortable, which, mood. <laughs> all women's clothes are uncomfortable. That's partially why I have adapted to wearing some men's clothes because it's just more comfortable. Fair. And so, you know, she helps her order clothes, and it's just a very nice scene. And the next time we see Ziggy, she seems more comfortable in her own skin already. She seems more outgoing. She's... So I actually read that a little differently. I read it as she's... I... She may very well be, but what I read it as is she's just more comfortable with Frankie. I think how I read it as she's more comfortable with Frankie, but she's also more comfortable around the rest of her family. And I think... Like, she, you know, she, Frankie watches Ziggy, like, hug her dad, which is not something she's really witnessed before. Like, her parents don't hug her. Right. They just kind of give her a kiss on the forehead and then yeah. leave. But now they're more affectionate with each other like they are with the rest of the family. So it seems like there's a little bit of an equalizing thing. Yeah. Because when Ziggy was in her kind of mental meltdown Due to her autism, she was like, no, don't touch me. And they kind of just stuck with that. It's like, right. no, but I'm not in a meltdown anymore. Like, yeah. I'm okay. You yeah. can hug me now. <laughs> and, you know, adding on to another one of the things that I liked about this is that it wasn't shown as a, like, people are straight up wrong here. Because they there was no point at which to be wrong. It was a, it was really more shown as a, they're in the process of figuring it out. Yeah. Not as a, you know the Bergman parents are bad at this or any, nobody, nobody was bad at it. Everybody was learning. Yeah. And, and it, that's, it's, it gets really at the, there is so much that we don't know about autism because everyone's autism looks differently. Yeah. And so this is a really good demonstration of that. of just like, people need to learn and that's, yeah. and it's good that Frankie's there because she's been diagnosed for like 12 years. So she's had time yep. to figure it out. And now she gets to pass that on. Indeed. I think one of the things that hasn't particularly been touched on has been the A-frame, which apparently shows up in every book. It does. They It exists in this book. Aiden's there. Aiden continues to be... I found Aiden a lot less intolerable this time. He was on four pages. Well, that's probably why. <laughs> but even like when he showed up, I was like, oh, no, he's going to be an asshole. And no, then he and just he's... like wasn't an asshole. He was just sad. <laughs> Well, because his wife kicked him out. Yeah. We get a very, it very much sets up the next book. Yes, it definitely, it read as set up. 
which I, you know, normally I am mildly annoyed when setup is, and this is just because I have high standards. This is not. A, <laughs> no, really. This is not a criticism of of any book in particular, but normally I get mildly annoyed when it's like, here's what's happening next. This is the thing that is happening next. Look at it. Next episode. <laughs> right. I don't like that so much. I'd like to guess and theorize. I didn't mind it as much this time because it, it wasn't super heavy handed. And also just like it's a romance book. I'm not that invested. <laughs> also, I think what will help is that like, yes, there was a setup in this book, but they are all standalones. So if you yep. didn't read this book, you don't need to read this book in order to read the next one. No. And you can read them out of that's order. True. And the other thing was that it wasn't, it, it was a setup in that a, here's the type of conflict, not what the conflict actually is. Yeah. Like, like we get a hint, but all of that information will be gone over again in the next book. And so you don't have to have read this one. It's and, kind of like an Easter egg more yeah. than anything. And even the hint that we get it's very easy to be misinterpreted. Like, there was something about, like, I, it was implied that Aiden cheated on Freya. But was it? Uh, to me, it was. Oh, I did not catch that. I didn't catch it on my first read either. I just was like, oh, he's a workaholic. That's what... Do you think workaholic means cheating? No. He said he lost focus. Yeah, that's fair. I can see how, you, I can see yeah. how you'd read that now. No, he didn't yeah. cheat on her. So... He literally lost focus and started paying more attention to his work than her. And, and, okay, that proves my point. The hint that was given is very over into interpretation. Yep. <laughs> that, I don't know how I feel about knowing that information. That's fair. I just but... have to... Cheating is one of my no's. Ah, yeah, okay. So, if anyone, it's, if it's one of your no's as well, audience, then you can, you can read the next one. Because no, he does not cheat on her. That is not the conflict. Yeah. I don't... I don't like it because I don't like it when it's one of the character, like one of the main characters who mm, does it. Yeah, okay. Like if it's, you know, girl meets boy and she's like, no, boy, I can't be with you because I've got a fiance. And then she finds out later that a fiance cheated on her. Like, do I think that you could introduce other conflict? Yes. But I don't hate that. Like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't like, it doesn't make me irrationally angry because sure. he's a villain. The fiance is a villain. Yeah. Like, you can't make one of the people that your audience is supposed to love a villain and, like, nope, not a fan. If you enjoy that as a plot line, go for it. I just won't read it or write it. Very, I mean, yeah, you get to write what you want. I get to write what I want, but but I don't like it, so I don't read it. Very, very fair. There are a couple more things, just random bits. They decided to sort of take it slow. Yes, for, you know, a romance novel. Like... They, they take it slow for, like, two chapters, and then they're fucking... Well, Ren is a virgin, so she doesn't want to, like... She doesn't want to rush it. He doesn't want to rush it. Yeah. So there's that. I feel like they were... They had taken it... This taking it slow conversation happened after they had already maybe pressed their genitals together. I don't think we can count the towel scene. <laughs> They hadn't I even... think we can. Their genitals were very close to each other. <laughs> they hadn't even admitted their feelings for each other, though. You don't need to do that to fuck. You do not. However, in this plot, you do. Uh, sure. But... They were naked <laughs> and touching each other <laughs> before this conversation. Yes. But, you know, he confesses that he likes her. And yep. then he's like, and I am a coward, so I'm going to leave immediately. <laughs> he says this before he says it, though. Yeah. He's like, I have to tell you something. And I think it might actually make render you speechless, even though that's not a thing that usually happens for you. And because I'm a coward, I'm going to leave immediately. And then he does for like two days. <laughs> and I'm going to wait until you come to talk to me about this thing. And if you don't, I'm going to... Th- Assume that you don't want to talk about it, and I'm just going to proceed as if I never told you this thing. If you want to talk about this, you have to come to me. Yeah. And then he tells her that he loves her, and then he just leaves. Yep. And it does render her speechless. It does. She's like, what? And it takes her a couple days to process it, and then they find each other at work, and she's like, can we go to lunch? Yep. And then things escalate from there. Yes. And then they decide to take it slow. <laughs> Yes. Still, they weren't taking it that slow. They weren't taking it that slow. They were fooling around. They just hadn't had the whole P and V sex. No. 
because she's on her period then. And he's like, I don't care. And she's like, I care. You, I Fair. Am, <laughs> you are not losing your virginity while I'm riding the red wave. <laughs> That's fair. fair. Very fair. Yep. But, like, props to him. He really does not care. No, he doesn't. If he says he doesn't care, he doesn't care. And, like, she gets her... he should care. Huh? I feel like he should care. He's a virgin. He doesn't care. I know. It doesn't bother him. He's not... He's not grossed out by periods. No. His dad's a doctor. Yeah. Like, he's got two sisters, and his dad is very straightforward and, like, has explained. I think equally to both sexes of his children what periods are. And if he didn't, Elon would. Yes, she absolutely would. I love Elon. But also, like, it's totally fair to be grossed out by them because it's blood. It's it's like, I'm a little grossed out by blood. Yeah, that's fair. It's, It's not... In a special category of grossed out by blood. You're not you're not more grossed out by period blood than normal blood. No. You're just grossed out by blood. Yeah. You're, like, I'm not gonna I don't wanna touch other person's blood. That's fair. No. That's and as long as you're not grossed out by my own blood. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, like when I cut my hand and it was very bloody, I was like, Oh well that's a lot of blood. It's mine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a little grossed out. Yeah. Well, you should have been. There was a lot of it. <laughs> there was a lot of it. But I'm not grossed out by my own blood, mainly because, you know, I've been bleeding once a month since I was 13. Yeah. So. <laughs> but she gets her period at his house, and he's just like, text me what Brandon size I'm going to the store. And she's like, you're not even. And then proceeds to finger her in a bathtub. <laughs> this was... <laughs> He fingered her in the bathtub before. Before, she... yeah, okay. Probably. And that, like, triggered it somehow? No, that's, yeah, that's a thing. Okay. I think I did know that, but it's just... Because, like, there was probably, like, it could have just made the flow, you know, because you're like, there's the cervix and there... We're not talking about this. No, we are not. (laughs) This is not a medical podcast. (laughs) No, neither of us are remotely qualified. (laughs) Really sorry that I just said cervix. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is not a child-friendly podcast, that's for sure. This is not. Let us, let's totally switch gears and talk about their awful nicknames. Yes. I found that very amusing because I don't like nicknames. I go by a nickname and I don't really like... I don't... Okay. I'm okay with nicknames. I don't like pet names. All they were doing was pet names, which is a type of nickname. Yeah. But it's a subtype of nickname and I'm a programmer, so all pet names are nicknames, but not all nicknames are pet names. Yeah, that's fair. I just don't, I don't, I call you Dallas. I call you babe, but that's just. Yeah, I sometimes call you babe, but hardly ever. Yeah, no, that's weird. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. If we have a child, you're probably just going to be Dallas. You might not even be mom. I feel like you can say, go ask your mom. Yes, that I would do. Yeah, but don't call me mom. Nope. Nope. Uh-uh. I don't need to be called dad. No, definitely not. <laughs> My child. <laughs> <laughs> My child is just going to call me, hey, Will. I did see, because it is our podcast, and we've referenced daddy on our podcast, because Spear Daddy. Yes. I saw a post that was like, this generation, like, generations have just sexualized daddy, so now my son's gonna, or my child's gonna need to call me bro or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which, like, fair. I want my hypothetical son's first word to be bruh. (laughs) Should be very fitting for my son. I also feel like that's not a word. For a so- that's just a sound. I mean, mom is basically just a sound. Yeah, but that's like... Tr- ma like... is the sound. It's just a, just one syllable, ma. Yeah, but bruh could just be a burp. So, like, that's I don't know true. that you can consider that a baby's first word. A second word? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That could just be indigestion. Yep. I think that's about... Yeah, where were we? We went on a real big sidetrack there. Nicknames. Nicknames. They have... He's continuously trying them out. And she's she vetoing starts... all of them. And she starts doing them back. Yep. I think she calls him Stud Muffin at one point. He's like, I actually like that one. She's like, no. Yep. <laughs> You're not supposed to like any of these. I'm trying to point She's out. doing it sincerely. She's doing it ironically. Yeah, which I enjoy for them. It's very Grumpy Sunshine. Yeah. It's this... It's a Grumpy Sunshine book. Which is a subtrope of opposites attract. If you say so. Not all opposites attract are grumpy well, sunshine. Y- all grumpy yes. sunshine are opposites attract. I follow the logic. It's not very <laughs> difficult. I was trying to programming. I was trying to do a thing. <laughs> yes, but no, it's 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 a good grumpy sunshine. Yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, 
There are lots of Harry Potter references. I feel like yes, we have not she talked makes about a that. lot, and she she makes too many references to her Harry Potter underpants getting soaked. Yes, and that made me a little uncomfortable. One general references to undergarments getting soaked in arousal. Ugh, don't need that. It does happen, though. I this... yeah i I am aware. And she does. Point, she's like, "Do you know how uncomfortable wet underwear are?" I'm like, "Mood." <laughs> It is uncomfortable. <laughs> sure. It was just funny. But yeah, she makes lots of Harry Potter references. I'm always a little bit on the fence when books make Harry Potter references now, especially yeah. with J.K. Rowling being who she is now, or yes. always was, just now she's saying it with her whole chest. But the book does call her on it, which yes. I pre- that it's the first it and only book I've read that actually like calls out J.K. So yeah, which I appreciated. Because, like, you know, Harry Potter is one of Frankie's special interests. Yeah. And it can be really hard to let go of that as a special interest. Yeah. And... The only thing I didn't like, and I was really happy that it it got toned down later in the book, but early in the book, I was a little worried that it was going to make her really juvenile. But they toned it down, and and I, I think that the the pace of the references didn't change a ton throughout the rest of the book. But the author did a really good job of not letting Harry Potter references kind of turn Frankie kind of backwards in time into being an adolescent. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, I liked. I I well, okay, I didn't like it because I generally am not a huge fan of that that type of referencing of stuff, but. Like super I thought pop it, culture referencing. Yeah, it's the the whole reason why when I was when we were listening to Ready Player One, I was like, eh, this is a lot of references. Like, it's just not that great of a book to begin with. But that is odd. It's odd. It's odd. Okay. You love Psych. I do love. That Psych. is all references. It is Psych. You make no sense. I really don't. My <laughs> my alignment truly is chaotic lawful. Yeah, you make no sense. You have, you have strict moral code, and no, no one knows, one knows what, what it is. It is. <laughs> yes, I can't place my finger on why it is okay for Psych. Maybe because it is already dated, and it's supposed to be kind of dated. Ready Player One was also dated. Ready Player One was dated, It but... was way in the future, and it kept re- referencing a bunch of 80s stuff. Yeah. Same concept. Maybe it just... it's now I'm, now I'm stuck on this. In Ready Player One, it was trying too hard to be nostalgic. And to drum up this feeling of nostalgia for a time long gone, where Psych is just two guys making a reference. He does often reference 80s stuff as well, and it is a bit nostalgic on his point of view, but I don't know. I guess Sean is. Also lawful or chaotic lawful. And also wildly ADHD. Yes. I don't know why it works for Psych, but really doesn't for. Ready Player One. In either case, because this is not a podcast about either of those things, although I would love to do a psych podcast. That would be great. This book avoids hanging on the reference too much. And it is one of the only things that is a constant reference. Yes. And it kind of plays into her personality. Yeah. And at that point, it is it is kind of a personality point. And it is to illustrate that autism special interest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and like I said, I... And she also has several other special interests. She points out language is one of them. That, I think, helped a lot. Like, she's fluent in Italian. She loves learning about other languages. And when Ren starts speaking a little bit of Swedish, she's like, really? You got to know the one language I don't know anything about? <laughs> and then proceeds to go learn some more about Swedish. Yep. Because that's her... Like, she loves linguistics. Yeah. And I, I do think that that helped a lot to make her a real person and not... Not like almost a caricature or not juvenile. Yeah. Like she had a diverse range of things that she was interested in as befitting a grown ass person. Yeah. She's like, she's got her food obsessions. She loves burgers and root beer. Yep. And like, she's just got all these things. And I did really just like, I identified with Frankie a lot for that reason of like the, like, you got your comfort foods, you got your comfort like interests. And then there was Ren with his love of Shakespeare and drinking herbal tea and smiling at his book. And everyone thinks he's adorable because he is adorable. Yeah, sort of. It's hard to describe a six foot three Viking as adorable. Is he cozy? I don't know. I can't picture him. I mean, look at the front of the book. Is he cozy? Uh, 
He's got a beard. Maybe in like 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> you really like him salt and pepper, don't you? I have a type. <laughs> Let's not So dwell. what about Dr. B? Is he cozy? I don't know. I've never seen a picture. That's fair. Again. Just from his description, Aphantasia. I can't picture things. Does he sound Descriptions cozy? do nothing for me. I don't know. I can't picture him. Okay. I literally can't picture him. Right now, all I'm thinking about is that he has a prosthetic leg. Which is brought up again. It is. Because how could you not? Right. And Frankie's just like, if Ren had told me that his dad has a prosthetic leg, I would be, I would have been much cooler about being disabled. Because it's like, <laughs> he's had a model of a non-disabled and a disabled partner. Like, he's had that relationship modeled for him. Yeah. I'm not worried about it anymore. And it's just shows, I can relate to that. It just shows how much Ren doesn't even really think about it as being different, which... I can relate to that. My yeah. dad is blind. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's not missing a leg. It's a whole different thing, but But it yeah. is a disability. It Whoa. Yes. <laughs> it's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> Can't see. <laughs> missing a whole sense. I'd say they're sort of similar. Like, on the same level of, like, he's missing a limb, missing a sense. I think that... It's a little different. What I mean, when you're blind, you don't. You could function very easily in modern society with with one leg, except with all the chronic pain and all that stuff. All of that saying, stuff, yes. You can't really compare disabilities, but you can't. But if I had to choose between missing a leg and being blind, I'd miss a leg over being blind. Yeah, that's fair. I am a programmer. <laughs> I need my eyes. Yeah. Anyway. This is not a disability podcast either. We're really all well, over the place. I mean, it is on topic because... It is. It's something that Chloe really enjoys. Like, all of her yes. books have some sort of diverse representation. Yeah. In the two books that we've read so far, there's been disability, mental health. Yeah. Like, we've got all realms of things. It continues throughout the books. She writes diverse romance. Yeah. Good for her. I think it's time for some book recurring segments. I think so. I think we only have one so far. Yes. Which it's is just favorite moments. Favorite moments. Yeah. What What was your favorite moment? That is really hard to pick out. I do thoroughly enjoy the towel scene just because it makes me laugh. But yeah. I think I think it might be the Frankie and Ziggy scene. Okay. Yeah. As like a specific moment because like there's so many cute romance moments that I love, but like they all kind of exist in the context of the same sphere of things. Yeah. So either that or the rude mechanicals. I'm just imagining a bunch of hockey players performing Shakespeare yeah. and it, it, it makes me giggle. Yeah. Mine is either the rude mechanicals. Cause that was, you know, it was interesting or, um, the date when he, when Ren takes her on that, like really fancy date. That's just Chinese food. Burgers. There's a fortune cookie. Yeah, that was the... F they're at a burger restaurant, and he's got the fortune from when they eat Chinese food together ah, in his wallet. Okay, because that... Okay, that's good to know, because that scene focused way more on the Chinese food than on the burgers. Anyway. They, when they get there, she's like, it's all burgers! It's literally on the page before the whole thing. She says, the whole menu is burgers. Clearly, I don't remember that. Anyway, I... she loves burgers! Yes. <laughs> yes. I liked that scene. Apparently not that much. Because <laughs> it was nice. It, it, he went out of his way to, like, set up a date that she would enjoy and where they could be alone. Yeah. And it was one of the, it was one of the times where I was like, oh, yeah, he's probably really rich. Because <laughs> it's, like, super expensive and he didn't tell her about it beforehand because she was going to veto it. And it's like, he's a hockey player. Right. Like, he's got some money and, like, it doesn't seem like he spends it on anything. No. Like, he has a minivan. He has, like, a kind of beat-up minivan. No, I think it's a new minivan. Yeah, but it's not implied to be very nice. He a... thinks it's nice. <laughs> Everybody else thinks it's trash. I think that's because it's a minivan and not because it itself is... There is some of that going on. Everyone makes fun of him for his minivan, and he But no one is it. surprised at the quality of the minivan, which says something about the quality of the minivan. Yeah. Anyway... That apparently burger date. That's about on par with the uh, rude mechanical scene for me. It's a good scene. Yeah. Overall, I, I enjoyed the book. I would probably put it on par with, in terms of... Yeah, that of... was going to be my 
other like unofficial recurring segment. Yeah, Where yeah. do you rank this in the four romance novels that you've read? And to recap for those of you who have maybe not listened to our previous romance episodes, he's read Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston, The Wisteria Society for Lady Scoundrels by India Holton, and then Only When It's Us and Always Only You by Chloe Lee. Okay, Wisteria Society is at the bottom. I think that was the worst, and the more romance I read, the further down it sinks. That it does surprise me a little. I thought you might enjoy the historical fantasy elements. I thought I would, too. I did not. I think it's hard to rank because I, I honestly still don't really know if I liked the first book in this series or not. <laughs> but it gets a reaction out of me. So I think just in terms of the the kind of magnitude of the reaction, I'm putting that at the top. And then I would put this one about tied with Red, White, and Royal Blue. Which I will say, having read more, that was the first romance book I've read. Having read more romance books, I am appreciating it more and more. Okay. Things that I picked out as flaws in it, there's still flaws. You're just realizing they're also genre conventions. I'm realizing that they're genre conventions and that in the context of the genre, it's they were done better than most. At least in terms of the four that I've currently read. And maybe as you continue to read romance, it might not necessarily be a flaw... As in, like, it's just always bad. It's just, like, you just don't like it. There's, Could be. There's a, there is a difference between those two things of, like... There definitely is. Like, I, I don't love the pregnancy trope in romance, but I don't think if any book that has it, it's not a flaw. I just don't love it. Yeah. Like, I'll still read it, but... I do generally try to separate out what I think of as flaws and what I think of as personal taste. And that's something that I've tried to kind of cultivate over the years. I love the 1984 Dune movie. There are so many things about it that I love. I recognize that it is a garbage movie. It is a garbage movie. It's so bad, but I love it so much. creepy eyebrows and sting. Yes. Do not like. And those are not the biggest flaws. (laughs) The eyes. Yep. All of it's bad. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. 2021 Dune, though. Give me some more Oscar Isaac, please. (laughs) That was really an awakening for you, wasn't it? Uh, it might have been. We we might be witnessing <laughs> that. I don't know. Because, like, the second you got back from watching that movie, you started talking the, about Oscar Isaac. First, it was one of the first things I said when I met you after I watched after I watched it. I was like, that was a really gratuitous scene of Oscar Isaac. And little did I know. Little do I still know. We, we may never find out where this goes. I don't know. I don't know. You would not mind Oscar Isaac. Is, I think, what we've learned, at least. He's fun to look at, at least. (laughs) He's also just nice. He seems nice. Yeah. Anyway, this may very well be an Oscar Isaac appreciation podcast at some point. Right now, it is the end of a not Wheel of Time podcast, but a romance book podcast. Yes. This time was... Always Only You. And starting in the new year, which is 2024... To put 2023. It. 2023. Ooh. It is 2022. <laughs> it's 2022. So starting in 2023 to make a very confusing date stamp on this, we're going to be picking up the next book of The Wheel of Time, book five. The Fires of Heaven. All right. Bye. Bye.